Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe, Yanez, and I, we dive into it today. We talk about, first, starting off, was a little bit more gym and coach related. We talk about 10-minute blocks, the front desk, and taking reservations. We then pivot into a training question and a nutrition question. In particular, for training, we talk today about training volume. So if you're an athlete out there, if you're a coach out there, and you're interested in my thoughts on training volume, we dive into that today. Second thing we talk about is this idea of hydration. Now that kind of goes into the nutrition realm, which Gabe dives into, and we give you three tips for hydration. I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoy what Gabe and I are doing, trying to put out an episode every week where we dial in some of the questions that you guys are sending us. So if you're not seeing that on Instagram, make sure you check out our IG stories on Instagram to ask your questions so that Gabe and I can go ahead and answer it in long form on a podcast. And before we get into the episode, you guys have heard us talk about them. They're our partner for the podcast, and they've done amazing things for me and our family, Merrick Health. If you've been interested in getting blood work done, if you've been debating about getting it done, you know we've been talking about this. They've done an incredible job for me and our friends to provide really solid blood work that's in-depth with great analysis from it. So if you're thinking about getting your blood work done, check out our friends over at Merrick Health. In the podcast show notes, you'll see the link of the exact blood panel that I got. Use the code EOE for 10% off your first panel. Now, without any further ado, let's dive into a great episode with Gabe Yanez answering your questions. Let's get it. Oh, Gabe Yanez with the new Yeti hat. For those of you, uh, a lot of people now, you know, they, they mainly listen to this show and, and aren't seeing it on uh, YouTube. But Yeti, uh, but Gabe is wearing a fresh new Yeti hat that he just put on. So, good morning. How how's everything going right now at the ranch? It's good, man. It's good. It's hot. I'm wearing a tank top because it is hot in Texas. If you look at the forecast, it's not going to be under a hundred, as far as you can tell. So, hot, oh. sweaty days, man. Oh man. Well, I'm a. You know, it's a it's a beautiful morning here in California. I was yeah, fortunate course. enough to. Um, so my daughter and I worked the front desk today at the gym. So uh, we had an early wake up, got in here for the 5 a.m. class, watched a bunch of hardworking people get after it here at the gym from five. We actually, the way we run our classes actually, I think this is interesting, is that we actually put 10 minute blocks in between them. So we have a 5 a.m., a 6.10, a 7.20, and then an 8.30. And the reason why that is, is that we realized that like Sometimes members felt like they were just getting like forced out of class because if a class was from like six to seven and then seven o'clock came in, it got a little congested. So two, two reasons. One is parking congestion. We were having some issues with that. And the other is like not making members feel like they're just getting pushed out the door when the next class comes in. And the third one is that when we have new people trying out our classes, they, they, it gives 10 minutes for the coach to have an opportunity to chat with them. So, um, Anyways, we got here for the 5 a.m. class, but then the next one started at 610 and actually 720 is just finishing up right now. So I just thought I'd throw that out there with the 10-minute block because that's something newer we've been doing the last probably six months. I know we have a lot of gym owners and coaches listening. So here's a question that I, I would suspect some gym owners hearing that might have, and it's, is there confusion or was there confusion initially when making that change? Because, you know, it's always easy to know, hey, there's a class on the hour, right? Like, there's a five, there's a six, there's a seven, then maybe there's a break. Is there confusion to, wait, there's a 720 class? Like what, how, how is that process and how's it been now? You know, I, I gotta be honest with you. When we first decided to do this, um, I thought it was weird, right? Like, hey, I'm used to being like, hey, it's a 5 a.m. class, a 6 a.m. class, a 7 a.m. class. Now I'm like, oh, it's a 610 class. It's just weird, right? Um, but in the beginning, just like anything, people are adverse to change. So of course we got some feedback like, hey, what's up, blah, blah, blah. But over time, I think people actually have, in, have enjoyed it. So I would say for us, it has been a good business move for us. And yes, although the class times are a little bit odd, we just set the expectation that, hey, it starts at 4.40 or 3.30 or whatever. And I think members just pick up on that and they, they understand the why. They understand like right now, for example, right this minute, it's... Um, 826. And so they just got done with the class a little bit ago. Now they're cleaning up and the next class doesn't come in until 840. And so it's nice because they have like this 10 minute block to kind of clean up their gear. We could vacuum. And um, I think the long and short of it is I would say any gym owner. Yes, it is a little awkward. Members will get over that. It is a little different than usual, but I think that overall it's been a bit benefit for us here at NT Fit. 
You know what I, what I think the interesting thing is there, and I think it's something that, you know, in, in our space or just in general, people struggle with a lot is like not doing something just because it's different or just because mm -hmm. it's, it's not the way things have been done for a long time. Because I think that, you know, you just pointed out what, like three different reasons why it makes sense. And I think that a lot of people sometimes kind of disregard something or immediately dismiss it just because, well, that's not the way things are done. Like the, the classes have always been on the hour yep. and you kind of find reasons to not try something when if you really try and remove, hey, this just hasn't been the way things have been done and objectively look at like what problems can making this change solve, the parking, the buffer to talk to leads, the fact that there isn't overcrowding, like all of those problems, like this is a perfect solution for Yet some people, and us included, right, will be hesitant to make that change just because for 10 years, classes have been on the hour every single hour. And now it's been a great move for us. I, I just think that it's, it's a very interesting thing to, to really bring home for gym owners or anyone that's trying to change maybe a habit in their lives, nutrition, focus, fitness, whatever, to be hesitant to make a change just because it's different and not the way things have been done. And try and take a step back and be like, well, is this going to solve some problems? Then does it matter that it's different? Maybe it's good that it's different. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, like I struggled to do class reservations. I struggled to change the class to 10 minute blocks. I did. I struggled because it wasn't the norm. And now with COVID, we do have a formal check-in system and people have to register for classes. It's been, it's been remarkable. It's been phenomenal because we've just changed the culture where people know they need to check in for a class. So now the coach could be better prepared to understand how many people are coming in. We know who's coming in. We can address their needs in particular. Um, it helps us track participation better. It helps us make sure that we have the right, um, you know, if someone's dropping in, they're paying for that drop in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It has just been a seamless transition. When someone walks in, they come to the front desk. This morning it was myself and my daughter at the front desk. We checked them in. Boom, good to go. And I think that's a great example of what you're talking about, Gabe, is like as an owner or as a manager or as a leader in your company, it's, 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 we're also adverse to change. We don't like change either. But if the change makes sense and you really think about it for a while, I think you have an obligation as a business owner to at least, you know, sit there and say, hey, does this make sense? It's the same thing like, does it make sense to have a 5 a.m. class? If it does for the business, even if you don't want to coach it, if it makes sense for the business, then you have to do it. You have an obligation. Even though 5 a.m. wake up might be tough, you either you know, identify a coach for that or you need to come in because the business doesn't have any like, um, uh, it doesn't owe you anything. Meaning like if it's good for the business to add this 5 a.m., it doesn't care that you want to sleep in. That's what's good for the business and that's what needs to get done. And I think that you need to kind of separate yourself when you're thinking about business sometimes like that. Same thing here. Even though my personal perception might be that starting classes 10 minutes off the hour is weird, the reality is we thought it was better for the business for these reasons, and we implemented it. And I think that you know it took about a month, and then members were all good. And I think it's been the right decision for us. I would highly recommend it for every business owner and gym owner to at least think about it. You know, another thing that I think stumps a lot of, you know, business owners when making these big decisions is thinking how much pushback they're going to get from their members. And, you know, after the um, ABC of sales episode that we did with Stu, which, by the way, amazing episode. If you haven't checked that out, definitely go back and check out that episode that we did with our buddy Stu Brower. Someone emailed in um, and had just some follow up questions about when we had our price increase, communication mm -hmm. that went out for that. And part of his email was asking the question of, you know, um, charging a late fee or a no-show fee and how did you implement that? And, you know, he was like, I'm assuming that that's like a really like tough thing to, you know, tough pill to swallow for members. And, you know, that was one of the things that we were forced to change because of, of COVID, right? Because now we have class reservations we have leads that can come in straight to class. And so we have to have some sort of, um, you know, late cancellation fee because otherwise we'll have people that maybe sign up for a class and don't show up. And that's taking away a place of a paying member or a potential lead that can come in and check the gym out. And the takeaway has been, and, and Jay, you might know better since you're actually at the gyms, 
is that there hasn't been that much pushback. No. There, there really hasn't. If anything, there's been an embrace of like the structure that goes into people signing up for classes. It's never going to be crazy crowded now. You know how many people are going to be in class. It eases stress off of the coach. The members know what to expect. Our general manager and our salesperson knows that a lead is going to get a good experience that they're going because they're not going to be thrown in to a class with 30 people. Another example of it's been all positive, but a lot of people, I feel us included, again, we were forced to make this decision because of coming out of COVID and making sure that, you know, we had a certain amount of people in class, but for a long time, we didn't want to do it because we were so nervous that members were going to be so against it, that the pushback would be not worth the benefits of it. That's right. I mean, so I, I, I am one who I was super against it, but you have to have it if you want to have class reservations. Otherwise, it, it breaks down. And so what we did is we came up with a nominal fee. And, and it, it, I, I believe it's $5, if I'm not mistaken, where if someone is a late show or doesn't show, they get charged. Now, we do give, um, and I could confirm this, I believe we give two exceptions. And we also, we try and be cool about it. Like we don't want our members to think that this is a revenue driver for us, even though it has generated revenue. That's not the goal or the intention. The intention is for people to be held accountable for the reservation because they're taking up somebody else's spot. So if they call us or if they email us, they say, Hey, look, this is what went down. I got, you know, whatever. We're, we're generally super easy going with this stuff. We just want to set the expectation. You know, most people to your point, Gabe, is it is becoming common norm at a lot of different you know spin studios, et cetera, et cetera, where they know that if they make a reservation, they need to show up. And it also, I've heard the flip side, where it's actually been good for them because they feel like they're more held accountable that if they register for class at 6 a.m., they're going to show up because they made that commitment. And so there's actually been some like reverse psychology on that where when they, I don't know if it's reverse psychology, but psychology where if they can make reservations I, um, a week in advance, they make those reservations and they're actually more likely to come in because they made that like commitment is the feedback we've been hearing. So I think class reservations, I think the 10 minute blocks have been two things we've implemented post COVID that I, I think have been um, highly effective for our business. Yeah, man. And, and I love that, that takeaway of, you know, having the, the dollar amount attached to not showing up being a positive kind of reinforcement tool for, you know, we've all been there where we get out back from work at four, you know, and we had reserved a spot in the 6 p.m. class. And man, like we're a little beat up, we're a little tired, like, you know, maybe we don't want to go. But now, you know, there's this $20, $15, whatever is kind of over your head um, that's going to actually make you need to go. Yeah. So I, I think, I, like I said, I think all around has been positive. I actually think the 10 minute blocks have been surprisingly positive because I was the first one, dude. I mean, I, I, I've been doing it one way for 15 years. Like I, I, I didn't know anything different than starting on the top of the hour or the half hour. I thought it was the weirdest thing when we first recommended it, but I, I still think it was the, it is the right call. And I think that, um, that that's definitely been a, a benefit. And it's just fresh on my mind right now because Abe and I were working the front desk and sure. speaking of front desk, I, I just have to note this real quick. I think people think when the front desk, it's all about like selling merch, you know, selling drinks, checking people in. Yes. Uh, greeting people who come in as a drop in or as a new member to check, you know, provide membership information. Yes. So check, check, check. But what I think people don't recognize enough about the front desk position is that the responsibility is so much on keeping the gym clean. And so while the coach is coaching, we were out there cleaning the bathrooms, not only just in between classes where that 10 minute block does also come into play, but during the class. And I think that if a gym owner is interested in, in, in having a front desk, they should look at it three things, checking people in, we already talked about that, um, engaging with new leads or drop-ins, 100%, but also making sure the bathrooms are clean and the floors kept up from any chalk or, or whatnot. Those are just three really valuable things a front desk could do that you get additional value than you think of just someone just sitting behind the front desk. There should be a huge checklist that they're going over to restocking supplies and, and all that kind of stuff. You get a lot of value in from a business perspective. So just want to make sure I highlighted those things just fresh in my mind this morning. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, making a little bit of a pivot here, you know, one of the things that we want to touch on this podcast and have a little bit of fun with is answering some training and nutrition questions. And I know that Jason put up a sticker this morning, but in the future, you know, we'll have a dedicated post for you guys to add your questions. But, um, you know, one question that we get a lot that I want to cut Jason's answer on here, and it's something that I've asked a lot in my own training, um, is how do you decide what the appropriate amount of training volume is? You know, we run classes seven days a week at NC Fit, mm. And on the NC Fit app, we have programs. So NC Flex is five training days uh, a week, and that one has actual specified training days. So I would say the training volume there is kind of prescribed. But for Metcon and X, you know, two of our, our flagship programs, if you will, there's seven days of programming. So we don't set, at least formally, to members in our gym and members that follow our, our app, like a three days on, one day off kind of prescription. So how would you help people navigate that question, you know, assuming that they have the time to train maybe as much as possible, what is appropriate and what maybe is too much? And also, obviously, what isn't quite enough? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is obviously a great question. I think it depends on your goals. I think it depends on what else you're doing outside the gym, but at a high level, right? I think it's important to listen to your body and to evaluate on a regular basis if you're in alignment with your core goals. So the first step is what, what are my goals? And at NC Fit, we're all about living freely, living fully. You know, I wanna be able to keep up with my kids. I wanna be able to do stuff outside the gym. So if that is my ultimate goal, and, and maybe now also an additional goal for me is I want to go win um, the jiu-jitsu uh, master worlds. But that's a separate goal from my first primary goal is live freely, live freely. So if I start training five, seven days a week and I'm training twice a day and I can't walk, I can't move. It takes me 45 minutes to get out of bed. My kids want to go for a hike and I can't do it because I'm too beat up. That is not a sign of me accomplishing my goal of first and foremost, living freely, living fully. And so what I need to do is maybe back up that training volume because maybe I'm beating myself up too much and I need to recognize that. So that's the first step is what are your main objectives for your training goals? The second thing is um, listening to your body. So if you're coming in and three days a week, you're just wrecked or four days a week or five days a week, you might need to tone it back and either when you do come in, reduce the intensity you go at or the weights you're going at and or reduce the amount of days. Now, something to also note, though, is if you don't come in enough, you never develop any level of competency or consistency to ever not feel that way. So I think there's this fine line between two days a week, which I don't think is enough because you just come in, you get wrecked for two more days because we know we all have like this delayed onset of soreness. Then you do it again and then you have it again. So I think the sweet spot for most people most of the time is somewhere about four training days of NC Fit style training where it's coming in as functional training. I think that's the sweet spot. And then in addition to that, doing some type of outdoor activity with the family on the weekend. So some type of hiking, some type of longer form cardio, uh, that, that would be my recommendation at a high, high level. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to answer that question because <clears throat> again, it's gonna be so dependent on like an impossible number of variables, right? Like right. your goals, how long you've been doing this type of training, you know, what kind of shape are you currently in, um, age, like there, there's so many things that go into it. One thing that I think though is helpful for a lot of people in, in our space specifically to, to consider though, is the fact that, you know, the number of training days doesn't necessarily equal the number of days where you're moving your body. And, and what I mean by that is, and you kind of alluded to this when, when you answered it, like we should be moving our bodies every single day. Like, I don't think the answer is coming into the gym and going super hard four days a week and then three days a week, like sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, right? Like that, that that's no good. Like I rather, maybe not I rather, but I think you're better off training just two days a week, but those other five being super active, going on walks, spending time outside. Maybe you have a, a job that requires some manual labor. Like I think that that person will more readily leave, live freely and fully outside the gym than the person that goes super hard for four days, four hours in the gym, but then the rest of the time they're, they're pretty sedentary. So I think that that's important mm -hmm. too. It's just like 
understanding that there's like the training bucket and the movement bucket. And the training bucket is what we're talking about when we're saying like four days a week seems to be like a pretty good sweet spot. Some people can handle probably five, six, you're pushing it, but anything less, I think you're not getting enough, but moving your body should be something that is part of your daily routine. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate that we own gyms, right? So, I mean, movement is a part of my life pretty much all day. Yesterday I was moving around equipment. I was working out. I was doing this, doing that. Like today I'm already, I've already been at the gym. And so I'm able to move a lot where some other people are a little bit more sedentary and they just need to be aware of movement, you know, not only, not only from like a burning calorie perspective, but just from like a mobility perspective, you know, if we're sitting all the time, you should just be aware of that. Either get a standing desk, go for walks in between your calls or even on calls, trying to get walks. So I think getting in movement, like you, to your point is phenomenal. I think getting in like four training days is good. Now on the, on the flip side, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I mean, I've been training hard for, you know, 20 years and I'm at a point now where I do our classes pretty much every day. And in addition, I'll do jujitsu two to three days a week. And on Sundays, I'll do longer form cardio, like riding my bike or rucking. So I can't remember the last time I didn't do a physical type of workout um, in a day. I can't. I, I can't remember the last time I didn't do a physical activity. Now, what I mean by that is like on the, the longer form stuff, it's just lower impact. So it's like, you know, rucking, it's biking, it's something more low key. Um, whereas maybe four, five to six days a week, I go pretty hard. So my training volume is probably more than I'd recommend for most people, but I've also been doing this for a really long time. I know my body and I spend quite a bit of time trying to recover between sleep, nutrition, cold plunge, sauna. So I, I do kind of, I don't think what I'm doing is for everybody, but that's the way I've been training for a long time and it makes my body feel good. So I just want to make sure I kind of acknowledge that because I think it's important to note. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, uh, another thing that a lot of people fall into, especially when they're transitioning between that, like honeymoon stage of doing our type of training where, you know, you, you come in and you look at the weights and you get stronger and yeah. leaner and, and, and set PRs and like everything's moving in the right direction. People tend to think that, Hey, if that's the kind of progress I'm seeing coming in four times a week, imagine, you know, if I start doing, two day, two a days and, and come in six times a week and like following all these programs and doing all this volume. And like it, it, I can see why that makes like kind of sense, but it really doesn't, right? Like there's diminishing returns on the volume that you're getting. And this isn't going to be everyone. I know that some people are literally just struggling to get into the gym enough because live is, you know, life is super busy, but for some people, it is the other side of the spectrum where you could actually see better gains in whatever your goal is, weight loss, gaining muscle, getting stronger by actually toning back a little bit on the volume and being more methodical and more intentional on the days that you do train. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, if you look at like the workout this morning here at the gym, um, I was able to witness two, uh, you know, we had two different workouts going on. Um, you know, when you're using these foundational movements, they just provide such a big impact on your body. For example, we were working up to a moderate weight of, of three back squat. And especially when you're talking about resistance training, you don't, you don't, more is not always better in, in, in particular with heavy loading resistance training. Um, you could kind of get away with it with longer form cardio and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think the majority of the time, most members come in here, they're actually doing some type of loaded, uh, loaded training, some type of weightlifting. It could be lighter weights, heavier weights, et cetera. But when you do that type of loading on your body, you've got to be aware of overtraining. And I think that that's where you've got to, again, listen to your body and the results will start to speak for themselves. So if you're starting to see good results and you plateau, well, you're probably going to plateau in the beginning because what happens is your body, like you said, you're going to look at weights. It's going to instantly change and adapt and evolve. Over time, you're going to kind of start seeing slower progression. But if you start feeling like you're going negative, it could be the program you're on, but it's more likely a recovery issue or an overtraining issue if you've been seeing consistent results for a long time and or you're kind of just at a place where your body's at right now and for you to get that extra 10%, which we talked about, you might need to make some dramatic changes. Like for me, for example, like my numbers are not going up right now. They're not. I mean, I spent a decade specifically trying to improve my overall lifts and I was on every type of 
protocol you could think of to do so. So now I just need to recognize what is my baseline? What am I happy with? And then make sure that it aligns with my living freely, living fully. And that's kind of where I'm at in my training today versus before. Let me ask you a follow-up question for the coaches and gym owners, but primarily the coaches that, that listen to this. Yeah. What kind of responsibility is on the coach when they see that member that's coming in for the fifth day in a row and you know that they're in that stage where they're just like, they're loving it, they're full Kool-Aid stage, right? What's the responsibility as a coach where, you know, you want people to come to the gym, like from a business standpoint, you want check-ins, you want, you want to see people walking in the door. What's the responsibility of a coach to say, Hey, like, I don't want to see you at the gym tomorrow or worded differently. And how would you have that? How would you approach that conversation? If you know, deep down that someone's, you know, just going a little bit too hard and it's not going to be great in the long term. And I think it's a tough, it's a tough conversation to have because there's so many ways you can skin this. Like yesterday I was at Mountain View gym and there's a gentleman there who takes like three classes a day. Right. And you could say hey, like, Hey man, like that's probably a little overkill. You should probably just come in for a class, maybe finish up with some doing, supplemental so stuff. So is he doing the same workout again later? Uh, yeah. He'll do the same workout or he'll take our NC mech on an NCX later. So he's doing like two and then he'll hang out for longer. So part of me is like, hey, this guy's way overtraining. It's unnecessary. We need to have a conversation. And yes, that conversation has been had with him. Noted. However, you also need to put yourself in his position. The gentleman's 65 years old. He's seen incredible results with us. It's been life-changing. He's retired. And he uses his gym as an outlet for him mentally, physically, emotionally. And so he might not go at a high intensity, but just wants to be in the atmosphere of the gym. So he stays for classes. And so I think it's just recognizing each individual comes in with a different set of goals and for that gym. And in this particular case, this gentleman, he's retired. He loves the energy of the gym. So he works out, but not at crazy intensities. And we've had the conversation with him that, hey, it might be better to come in for one class, hit it hard, and then go home. But I also understand if he, if he enjoys being in the atmosphere and he doesn't want to just stand there, but he wants to participate. So it's like this fine balance where every athlete's going to be a little bit different and recognizing there is a human human element of it that maybe it outweighs the what you're trying to say. Like this human element might be really important to his psychological benefit. And maybe I could just say it a few times, but if he wants to come in and do his thing, maybe that's okay. But on the flip side, if you have someone who comes in brand new and they want to go hard in the paint, I actually think you're doing them a disservice if you have them coming in five, six, seven days a week. I think you should encourage them to come in three to four, develop habits, and then build up. And then if someone is built up over time and they just really want to throttle it every single day and you're watching the results just start to diminish, I think that would be a conversation where you say, hey, come in tomorrow, but instead of hitting this workout this hard, I'm going to have you do foam rolling, stretching. I'm seeing some range of motion issues in this. We're going to have you work that. And I think the long and short answer to what you're saying is, it's an individual question, but you need to be prepared with a list of, with a with a toolbox to answer it. That toolbox could be, hey, we're gonna go not as hard today. Hey, we're gonna work on this day. Or you know what I mean? Like it's 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 an individual conversation because you don't know where that person is on that day and you just kind of talk to them and see where they're at. So I mentioned this briefly before, but right now the programming that we do at at our gyms that we offer on the app and that we offer as part of the NC Fit Collective, the two programs that are, you know call them flagship, meant to be done as like an hour class, NC Metcon and, and NCX. Right now we program seven days a week and there isn't like a, like a rest day. Like it's not like, you know, people tend to rest a lot on Thursdays. Like Thursday isn't like a recovery day per se. And Sunday isn't like, you know, a day where you can make up a class, something that a lot of gyms do, right? Like a lot of gyms program a day of the week where it's meant to be a little bit, you know, foot off the gas pedal. And then like a day on the weekend will be, you know, just a makeup day. So if you miss the day, you can do that. Have we ever taken that approach at NC fit? Um, and, and kind of, you know, just to see how it works out and why don't we do it now? So when we originally started NorCal CrossFit, like 15 years ago, we actually started off with a three on one off basis, like CrossFit.com had. And what we would do is we would program three days a week. We'd have an off day. And on that rest day, people would either rest or if they came in, this was not a good idea, by the way. Or if they came in, they would pick one of the workouts from that week they missed and they would do it, which was a terrible idea because you'd basically have a class come in 
and they'd each be doing a different workout. So I would do a general warm up on that day and then have them pick the workout they miss and then do that. It was not a good way of doing it. That's old um, school, man. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, then we transitioned. Ultimately, the reason why we program seven days a week is that our athletes come in on a regular basis and we never know when they're going to come. We want to have an uh, available workout for them. Now, Thursdays typically are slower than the rest of the week. But, you know, this idea that people are training three on one off is just unrealistic. And the idea that someone's training seven days a week is unrealistic, too. More times than not, people are training three to four days a week. And so that's why we program seven days so that they could come in on any day that makes sense for them. Now, I like to think that our program is well thought out. It's curated by people that actually coach and that are in our gyms. And I'd like to think that even if an athlete came in more than three or four or less than three or four, they're still getting a phenomenal stimulus on average. Um, that's really all we could do because if we try and do a structured rest day, that's weird because what if someone can only come in on a Thursday or only come in on a Wednesday or only come in on the weekends? And then if we, you know, ramp stuff up like crazy on the weekends, what about people who are traveling on the weekends? So I still think the way we're doing it is the best way. And we've tried multiple ways, but I think it comes down to having well thought out programs um, from expert level coaches who are in our gyms who are shifting it as the industry shifts, which I think is really important. And I think another piece of it and the, the reason that, you know, as part of the collective, like the session plans, like the actual plan for the coaches to understand, hey, this is the stimulus we're going after today. This is what my athlete should be feeling. This is how it builds off of what we did yesterday, so on and so forth. The reason all that is so important is because with this type of structure, a lot of it falls on the shoulders of the coach to in that moment, in class, be able to have a conversation with a member and make adjustments on the fly so that, hey, if I know this is Jason's fourth day in a row, just because he knows he's not going to be able to come for the next three days, and that's great. But I know that today's stimulus is, you know, X and it's very maybe similar or, you know, a little bit too much for someone that has come the past three days. I can give Jason and Jason an option to still stay within the goal of today's workout, but maybe give his knees a little bit of a break. And yeah. the only way that I can do that is if I have a very in-depth understanding of what we're trying to do today as a class and I have a very in-depth understanding of what Jason has done the past three days. And I think that that's a piece that a lot of people that are shopping around for programming for their gyms miss because they think it's all about like, what workouts am I getting access to? Like, is this the best squat cycle and collection of 2159s that is going to make my, my, that are going to make my members fitter? And we don't look at it like that at all. I mean, I think that there's a lot of programming providers out there that have good programs. But what I don't think they have is the level of detail in the notes that would give like myself, if I were coaching using the collective tools, the tools to look at Jason, see what he's done for the past three days, what he's going to do today, and be able to like make that experience very specific to him within also like this, the circumstances of, Hey, I don't just have Jason in class. I have Jason plus 19 other athletes. Yeah. Um, and well, I think that's, I mean, Zach is here coaching this morning and you know, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I don't know all of our members names. I don't. And, um, it's something I'd like to strive towards checking in definitely helps when you want to know all the members names. Um, cause you can get their information right there. Um, but Zach knows everybody's name. Zach knows who they are. Zach knows their story. You know, we had a woman in the last class. She's lost 80 pounds with us. He knows that story. And, and so I think that's really important. And then if you're training on your own, in your garage, I think you got to ask yourself, you know, how am I feeling? Start warming up and then make the decision on how hard you're going to get after it. But one of the benefits to the gym, obviously I'm biased, but one of the benefits to the gym is the energy. I mean, like Ava and I, we are here working the front desk. All of a sudden she pivoted from working the front desk to taking the 720 class because she felt the energy of the room. And it's just, in, it's, it's, it's exciting, it's exhilarating. And so even if you have trained three days, all of a sudden you come in, you're vibing off other people and you'd be surprised how you're able to just kind of step up. Now the coach needs to adjust things accordingly if you, if you aren't looking right. But I, I do think for people that want to train more days in a row, being around like-minded people definitely helps that because it, it, it just makes the overall experience so much more fun and higher energy. But if you don't have the availability to do that, that's fine. Train your garage, get after it, 
and then just listen to your body. I think that's really important. But um, yes, I, I do believe our session plans and programming, by the way, are the best. And I believe that because, you know, I see the people that actually make them and they're not writing the plans from a, you know, from a office. They're writing a plans from a gym, which I think makes a big difference. And, I, you know, anyways. For sure. For sure. Um, so another. Hey, want, oh, yeah. You want to talk about the nutrition or the, the, uh, the hydration? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we always want to answer a, a training question, which I think we did. And again, there isn't a simple answer for that, but also kind of touch on a topic um, when it comes to nutrition. And again, wearing the Yeti hat, we're doing our NC Fit Yeti hydration challenge this month. I got my bottle of water here trying to make sure that I hit those um, that goal every single day. Um, but nine I've been glasses, running, right? Nine cups, which is three of those Yetis. Yeah. Woo! That's pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty, like, reason, like, people should be looking at this as, like, the bare minimum, especially now in the summer, especially because some people might have, you know, higher needs when it comes to hydration. But I think that a lot of people aren't even coming towards that bare minimum, and I think that that's the issue. But one thing that I just, you know, wanted to talk about a little bit here, and I've been doing some research for this because I'm writing the blog post this month, which you can always check out on the NCFIT edit. Um, we're always putting out new blog posts on there and all this month they'll be focused on hydration. But I think two things that hopefully will mo motivate people to be more on top of their hydration is, you know, we experience this all the time. And I think gym owners and coaches listening will, will recognize this. People come to the gym, yes, because they want to be healthy, but for the most part, people want to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And usually when we want people to do something, we can motivate them with that, like, hey, I want to look a certain way, right? Like people want to come in, they want to lose some weight. Guys maybe want to put on a little bit of muscle. They want to change their body composition. They want to look different when they look in the mirror. And I think that that's, you know, a very fair goal when you come in the gym. And it's one thing that I think a lot of people overlook is the, the impact that proper hydration can have on those specific goals. So two things to keep in mind. One, if you're trying to lose weight, People don't realize that a lot of the times, you know, and it's one of the reasons that my goal for the EOE 40 challenge back in January is to stop snacking was that I was like a compulsive snacker. I do it when I'm bored. I do it when I like just get up to take a break from being on my computer. I'll go and reach for some like dried mangoes some cheese, some nuts, whatever. A lot of people don't realize that when they actually have this like craving to snack, they're actually thirsty and not hungry or by drinking water, they can kind of satiate that feeling of, hey, I just need something right now. So if your goal is to lose weight or lose a little bit of excess fat, and you're not properly hydrating, you're making it significantly more difficult to kind of keep those cravings at, at bay. So one tip that I wrote on last week's blog post that if you haven't read, I'll, I'll share it here is, you know, next time that you feel like, ah, you know, I could really use a snack right now, I recommend that you drink eight to 12, probably more, 12 to 16 ounces of water. You don't have to chug it, but drink it. Give yourself like 15, 20 minutes. And if you still have that, like, hey, I'm really hungry. I want to grab a snack. Then fine, grab a snack. But I think people would be surprised how many times drinking that water will kind of like make the need for grabbing something subside. And that will obviously help you if your goal is to you know, shed a little bit of weight because you have to be in a caloric deficit in order to do that. So I think that's how hydration can be really helpful if you're trying to lose a little bit of weight. It's at the end of the day, you might not be hungry. You might actually be thirsty. And sometimes people can't differentiate. The two. Yeah, no, I, I like this. The, the hydration challenge we're doing, I think it's cool. I, I think it was a great idea. You know, we had, you know, 700 people or whatnot um, basically opt in to do this challenge where it was for the month of July, it's nine cups of water a day. I think it's very attainable, but at the same time, it, it makes you think about water. You know, one thing that's helped me, and I, I hadn't thought of it through the lens you spoke about from a, you know, satiating perspective. Um, and I like that idea. One of the things that I think about all the time is the more I carry around. Now I, I like the, the Yeti tumbler, like the, or the, the bigger one, like the bottle. Um, this, this, I had coffee in earlier. Yeah. Well, like that one, or, or even like the one with the screw top. Um, but the this one I had coffee in earlier, and then I I 
finished my coffee and I filled it up here with the flow water machine at the gym. And I've just been drinking that. But having a tumbler or a rambler or a bottle or, or whatever with you, I find it to be significantly easier to stay on track with, with drinking water. Like if I carry around a water bottle with me, it's night and day compared to not having one. And um, so if you haven't thought about that, you know, go out, shout out to Yeti. They do great stuff. They make incredible bottles. Um, go identify a, a appropriate size for you. You know, some of them don't fit in a cup holder is definitely a consideration, but if you're not really worried about that, then just go with it. I like the 32 ounce ones because it's just like a good size for me. But some of them, like if you care and you're going to be transporting them in a car, just that's going to be something you're going to want to think about. Um, but having it on you has made a huge difference for me. And I've been doing it for a long time. So it's just my tip of the day from a hydration perspective. Yeah, hydration, super important. And just the reason we wanted to do this challenge, A, during the summer, you're sweating more, temperatures are hot out there. You probably need water a little bit more than other times of the year. But it's also just such an easy thing, right? Like cutting out foods that you love, like that could be tough. Getting into the gym super consistently in the summer, I get it. It could be tough for some people. But just making sure that you're drinking like the bare minimum of water every day for the month of July, like I find it really hard to, you know, kind of accept anyone's excuse for, hey, I really can't do that. Like I just can't have nine cups of water a day. Like, no, you can. You can. And we're just really trying to challenge people to focus on this one single thing. And, and what I really like about, you know, stuff like the EOE 40 challenge or even this challenge now is people don't realize that when you're staying on top of one little thing, just the fact that I'm carrying like a, a, a water bottle all the time, you won't realize, but you'll maybe make better eating decisions because you're like, hey, I'm being really good about my hydration. Do I really want to polish off this bag of chips today or can I have some fruit? Like it's just, it's this idea of habit stacking where because you're focused on one thing that you know is going to help and is a healthy habit, you're more likely to make other healthy decisions and it snowballs and it's, it's so yeah. powerful. And that's why I really wanted people to commit to this very simple thing because there's absolutely no reason you can't drink nine cups of water a day every day for the month of July. And you'll be surprised how that little thing motivates you to maybe sleep a little bit better, eat a little bit better, get that extra workout in. And it could be super powerful. July could be like the best month you have towards getting to your end of the year goals just because you committed to drinking enough water every day. It's, it's crazy how powerful this stuff can be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a few tips, um, you know, that I think about when it comes to hydration is I wake up in the morning, I try and chug like a few big glasses. I don't know why, but for some reason, when it, when I start the day, I feel like it encourages me to stay more hydrated throughout the day. So first thing I do in the morning is drink a bunch of water. And then obviously I have coffee, which I need to offset with even more water. But anyways, first thing, <laughs> first thing is I, I try and uh, drink a few large glasses of water. Boom, boom, boom. And I like chugging water. I'm not like a huge sipper, but I like just chugging it. So I get in my, my glass of water. That really helps me. Uh, second thing is obviously carrying around a bottle throughout the duration of the day. And the third thing that I think has helped at least the kids, and I just want to share here, is with Ava, with Kaden, what we do with them is we'll fill up a big Yeti um, like water bottle and we'll put just a little bit of iced tea unsweetened in it. And what it does is it just gives it a slight, slight flavoring or even putting lemon and ice for the kids. It seems to make it more palatable than just regular water. So that's something that's been helpful for me. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 10 parts water, one part iced tea, but it still gives it something and or the lemon. So those are just a couple of tips I just wanted to share um, that have been helpful for us. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, right? Like adding some lemons. One thing my wife Arielle does, and she, she loves to do this, is she'll throw in like some frozen strawberries in it. Yeah. And again, just like, it, it's not like it's strawberry juice now, but it just gives it a little bit of taste. And if that's what it takes to get you more excited about drinking the adequate amount of water, that's awesome. Yeah, 100%. No, I'm really glad we did the July hydration challenge. I'm excited to see who completes it. Uh, I'm excited to see who gets some of that Yeti gear that's coming out, which is cool. Um, you know, they've been great partners of ours. And um, no, I think it was really good. And I think you're right about habit stacking. So for, for anybody listening who doesn't, is not part of our EOE, uh, for, um, EOE weekly, every Monday, Gabe does an incredible job in the team, do a great job sending out a weekly email that just kind of sets the tone. 
and you can know a lot about NC Fit, get a lot of inspiration. It's, it's completely free. Make sure to sign up for that. It's in the podcast show notes. And if you're a gym owner, which I'm, I'm also really excited about this one, um, Gabe's going to be putting out a bi-weekly gym owner newsletter. And, you know, what type of content are you thinking in particular is going to be in there? Because I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit more business focused, but what are your intentions there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of taking a page from your Coffee with Kalipa book in that, you know, I, I'm thinking about a lot of things about marketing and sales and trying to push the ball forward at NC Fit. And I, I think there's a lot of value with sharing those things. So it's it's really going to be kind of me sharing some relevant thoughts on what we're trying, what is working, what maybe didn't work well um, on the NC Fit side, on, on trying to get our commercial gyms back on track. Because I think that, you know, like sharing that stuff can be super helpful for people. Like I, 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 I take a lot of inspiration from people in our space that are doing a really good job and doing really good shit. And if I can be that kind of inspiration or just get people thinking about something that's a little bit outside the box um, and that helps them push the ball forward, that's great. So that's kind of my goal there. It's it's not, hey, we're going to, it's not like EOE Weekly where, hey, this month we're going to do hydration. So this month we're going to do just marketing. It's going to kind of be all over the place. But my goal is to always share something that's on my mind from, yes, a business sales product on the floor perspective that hopefully just, you know, these go out on Tuesday. So hopefully it'll just kind of get you thinking about, hey, maybe this is something I should try at my gym, see how it works. And then you know, one thing that I'm definitely encouraging people to do, because it'll be coming from my email address, is reply to that newsletter. Like, let me know what you think. Let me know that you tried something out and how it went. Like, I also want to start having conversations more with people out in the space, because I think that that's something that's lacking a bit. So, you know, if you do have any feedback, if something ended up working or you're like, hey, I tried this and it didn't work for me, like, hit reply and and, and let me know. And and that's kind of what, what, I, what I'm trying to do with this as well. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I mean, a good example is this 10 minute blocks in between. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important that like, we're not just speaking in hypotheticals, we're talking in actuality and, and we can share the, the good and the bad of a rate increase or a rate adjustment or doing a, we, we're just hosting a, a garage sale with some of our equipment. Um, what are some of the things that we're learning and how can we share that with other gym owners to rise the tide? So dude, I'm super stoked on that. I think if gym owners don't jump in, they're missing out. So thanks for putting that together. Um, you know, it, it, we got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you for a, you know, a leadership uh, meeting out here in August. What, anything, uh, anything aside from uh, the new baby coming up that uh, we should know about how are the Mets doing and what's the plan for this week? Oh man, you hit me with like three questions that are completely all over the place. Of yeah. course. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, my wife and I are are expecting in December and that's just add a whole other layer of like, future planning and like, you know, trying to figure out what that next stage in life is going to look like. So that's been exciting, a little stress inducing, but mostly exciting. Um, the farm is great. Like I said, right now, it's just kind of dealing with the heat and trying to spend time outside. And the Mets are in typical Mets fashion, started off like best team in baseball. And now they're kind of taking a couple steps back, but there's still plenty of baseball to go. So I'm not worried yet. I'm not worried. Dude, yet. I love that, man. Uh, I'll just close it out with something that's on my mind. You know, um, Last night I went to Caden. So Caden signed up for football, which unfortunately runs at the same time as um, fall baseball. So we're going to have to figure it out because one of the things I thought was really interesting was I was talking to the coach and the commitment level, the requirement for the team is like really high. There's practice three to five days a week. And this there's is football. This is football. Three to five days a week practice. And then a game every Sunday, sometimes on Saturday, sometimes traveling. And what I found to be really interesting because I took him to a conditioning, the first conditioning um, like practice or whatever. This wasn't with his team. This was with like all the teams together. There was probably like 300 boys out there just getting after it. Some of them were in better shape than others, of course. But man, these kids are not on their iPads. They're out there putting in the hard work. And I was just so inspired to see it all go down the middle of this field. But what was really interesting is the attention to like, doing it right. So Caden, he walks out there and he had never been in this place. And we showed up a little late because I'm going to the wrong place. I did not set him up for success and I apologized to him after, but they're doing like liner drills where like basically they all get in the line and they kind of like do like shuffle or whatever. He had never done it before. And so man, he's doing it and he goes like, 
halfway and the guy like calls him out and he has to like redo the whole thing in front of everybody. And I felt so bad, but then the whole team clapped him up because he like, anyways, they could see that he was putting in the effort and that he didn't, he finished the task. He didn't just do half of it. And I thought it was a really good teaching moment for him being around some peers where they were celebrating hard work. They're celebrating completing a task, but they were calling him out on stuff. And I think that that kind of like harshness is needed sometimes where like these, these football coaches, like they saw some kids walking, boom, they're having everybody do burpees. And like, I don't know, I guess I'm going off on a tangent, but I just found that it was really cool to see how these young kids are getting taught about hard work, completing a task. And that it was also a team effort. If some of your team are walking, everybody is going to suffer. And so we need to work as a team to approach our goals. So I'm excited to see what happens with the football. I'm a little nervous about doing that and fall ball. So we're trying to figure that out. But anyways, that's what happened to me last night. So fresh in my mind. No, I, I, I love that, man. And actually the, the book I'm currently reading and um, not making too much progress with it because I just like, I've been really tired at night. Days have been a little long, but um, Raising Men by Eric Davis, um, mm, who's a, a, a Navy SEAL. Awesome book, man. And it's just interesting because like, especially the chapter I'm on now talks a lot about what you just mentioned and just like, making sure you're betting the the coaches and teams that your sons are a part of because they have such an impact on instilling, you know, whether they're going to be disciplined and hard workers or whether they're not going to be. Um, so super interesting. And I love how he ties a lot of what he talks about in terms of parenting with like Navy SEAL training and the fact that, you know, in the Navy SEALs, like there's this level of risk, like, respect where they'll call you out on your bullshit and have no problem doing that and will like haze you and whatever if you mess up but it comes from a place of love and respect because they know that them hazing you and giving you such a hard time for even a little mistake in the in the moment is what's going to make you like not ever make that mistake where the stakes are high right like they'll they'll really make you hear it in the moment because there's no room for mistakes at the stakes where these guys operate. Right. Um, and it, it's been a really good book. Highly recommend it for anyone that's looking for probably a little bit of a different take on parenting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely leaning more towards some of that kind of stuff lately. I'm going to be doing a episode with Matt, um, coming up from, uh, from Apogee strong, uh, in particular about, about some of this type of stuff. So I look forward to talking to him about some of his insights in regards to, you know, young men, young leaders, and things we could be doing to support them. So, dude, keep reading up, man. You got, you know, it's all the books in the world. It's it's so funny. I think reading books opens your mind. They they really prepare you. But then when life comes, the yeah. baby boy shows up. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, there's. Why <laughs> your pants a little bit? There isn't an amount of books in the world that I'm sure actually actually prepares you. But hey, it's better than nothing. Hell yeah. Well, brother, I, I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. I hope everybody's listening. Uh, has a phenomenal day. Make sure to hit up Gabe and I. We love hearing from you guys. And uh, make, out, make sure to check out the podcast show notes um, for those links to those emails. I think there's a lot of value, whether you're an athlete in your garage or you're a gym owner. And uh, keep training hard. Keep getting after it. Keep putting in the effort over everything. And uh, talk to you guys soon.